We are very, very blessed to have Terry Virgo with us. For anyone who doesn't know Terry, uh, let me introduce him to you. Terry is the founder of the New Frontiers family of churches, a worldwide family of churches of which we are very blessed to be a part ourselves. Terry's written many books, and he's going to highlight one, and they're on sale out in the foyer this morning. Uh, and Terry is also an internationally renowned Bible teacher. We are very blessed to have him speak to us this morning. And as I said in the first meeting, he is also a fan of Brighton and Hove Albion Football Club, who are having an extraordinarily good season. So Terry's in, in, a, in a very good mood today. Um, let's make Terry, let's honour this man, and let's make him feel very, very welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. It's um, always a joy to come and be with you, and uh, is today. I'm very excited to hear your commitment to this Ephesians 6 passage, which is so important. Wonderful epistle, and I pray I can be a blessing to you as I come and look at it, some of it in a moment. Yeah, the book's outside. Uh, when COVID came, uh, I had a kind of full program, and it all got crossed out because we couldn't go anywhere. And felt God really spoke to me to uh, write a book about the journey of Moses and the people of God from slavery to inheritance. And uh, it says in 1 Corinthians 10 in the New Testament, all these things happen to them for our instruction and were written down for our sake. And so uh, this journey they went on is ever so instructive. I found it a real blessing morning by morning, go through the study, see what happened next, turn the page, learn the lesson, and it certainly enriched my own life. So I commend it to you, God's treasured possession. That's what you are, that's what they were called, and that's what we're now called, God's treasured possession, and how he helps us through all kinds of battles and challenges of life. There are other titles, uh, God's lavish grace. I was just doing a Zoom call recently, one of the things we discovered through COVID, Zoom, whatever that was before, uh, speaking to 70 pastors all around Mexico uh, in a Spanish translation of God's lavish grace. That was a real joy. Uh, so there are a few books there, and there's an online facility, I mean a card facility if you don't have cash, because people don't bother with cash these days, but you can uh, take advantage of that card facility if you like. So Ephesians chapter 6, I'm rounding it off for you, and uh, it says... Praying, it is present tense, praying in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the privilege of worship. Thank you for the great songs we've been singing about your majesty, your power, your eternal glory. And that, Lord, we're part of that. We're caught up in that. We're so grateful, Father. And we pray for the Holy Spirit to be our teacher Right now, what we do might be supernatural or be taught by the Lord. So come, come Holy Spirit, rest upon us, anoint our ears to hear, let us hear you in the way that really accomplishes things, like you spoke and creation came into being. Come and speak into our hearts, we pray. We ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the passage we've been looking at over these last few weeks is all about conflict. It's about a battle. It's about being soldiers, fully armed. Ephesians speaks of the church in a number of different ways. It's a temple. It's a new man. It's a bride. 
It's a body, but it's also an army. And Paul winds up this great epistle talking in these terms of armor and the things you need to be prepared for the battle. And certainly, increasingly, in the UK, it's becoming a battle to be a Christian, to own up and say, no, I, I believe this, I believe these things. And uh, there's a temptation to back down in our generation because of areas that Christianity is in conflict with a culture that is drifting and drifting. And so it's important for us to be fully armed. And you've been looking week by week at all that. And it rounds off by saying, over all that, praying, as I say, it's present continuous tense, Put on all the armor and then kind of umbrella over it all, praying at all times. It's not like another piece of armor. It's like it covers the whole thing all the time, praying in the conflict. And it's interesting, even reading the story of Moses, one of the first things that happened to them when they'd escaped through the wonderful exodus, God's incredible, miraculous provision, and they're on their journey, and it suddenly says, then came Amalek. Uh, unprepared, suddenly they're in conflict. Suddenly there's an army coming against them. And they learn in that very first battle that Israel as a nation ever fought. The first battle they ever fought. So there's principles there, beloved, for us to get a hold of. The first battle the people of God ever fought. We read that Moses said to Joshua, right, you get the army, you choose the guys, go into battle. I am going to ascend this mountain, not to get a better view of the battle, but he's going up there and he takes with him, it says, the rod of God. In other words, the promises that God made them, which was kind of in some ways caught up with his rod. Remember, God said to Moses, what's that in your hand? He said, a staff. He threw it on the ground, became a snake, picked it up, it became a rod again, and so on, and it was thrown with him. He put the rod over the Red Sea. It, was, it kind of spoke of God's faithfulness, which is what prayer does, of course. And he went up to the mountain and he prayed. He lifted up his hands. He held this rod. He's saying, Lord, you promised. That's the nature of prayer. You're saying, Lord, this is what you promised you'd do. And it says that while Moses was in the mountain and lifting his hands in prayer, Joshua prevailed. You can read about that story in Exodus. So Joshua's a soldier. And I guess he's going forward as Moses is praying, saying, hey, I'm pretty good at this, and I'm making real territory. And Moses gets tired, it says, his hands come down. And as his hands come down, Moses, Joshua in the valley is going backwards, saying, hey, what's going wrong? I'm, I thought I'm doing the same stuff. And then they lift up Moses' hands, and he gets his hands up again, and says, oh, oh, here we go, I'm doing all right again. And the, the battle goes forward in direct proportion to Moses' prayer. It's not about Joshua's school with a sword. It's direct proportion. As he prays, they win the battle. And that's the first battle that they fight. So they learn that lesson early. It's God who fights our battles for us. And the warfare is in our lifting up our hands in prayer. Say, Lord, you come and do these things. And so it comes very early in our Bibles. You find the same sort of thing in 1 Samuel 7, where Samuel prays for them and they win the battle. Prayer is the key to advance. And we see it, of course, modelled in the Lord Jesus. Jesus is consistently, though divine, consistently a man of prayer. You constantly see Jesus in prayer. Particularly in Luke's Gospel, again and again, Jesus was praying. It's like the disciples wake up, they're all sleeping rough, nowhere to lay his head. Where's Jesus? Oh, he's praying again. He's praying. He was a man of prayer. Teach us to pray. There was something about this man whose prayer 
made his life incredible and fruitful for God. And so he prayed and he taught it. He said men ought always to pray and not give up. It's one of the things we tend to do with prayer. We kind of, oh, I can't do it. We kind of give up. And so Jesus modeled it and he taught it. Now come on, pray, he's saying. And he taught that to the apostles who themselves carried on with that emphasis. It says that the early church devoted themselves to prayer. That was one of the characteristics. When the church got born, this is one of the things characterizing it. They devoted themselves. They didn't tack it on. They devoted themselves. It was at the heart of their identity. They devoted themselves to prayer. And so when the church multiplied, we read about thousands becoming Christians. I mean, thousands. And it grew and grew. And of course, some social problems begin to arise. as that happens. Hundreds of people. And there's, there's some poverty there. And they want to look after. And there comes some tension between the, the Greek widows and the Jewish widows. And they say, we must deal with this properly. We need men full of the Holy Spirit to handle that. It's, it's not unimportant. It's very important. We need spirit-filled guys who can handle that. But we must give ourselves to prayer. These apostles who've been around Jesus understood, no, 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 we need to be devoted to prayer. It's not an issue. We, we, can, we can't afford for it to become secondary. They learned that, beloved, by being around Jesus. You can't afford to let it become secondary. That's why they gave themselves to it. They prayed. Now, whenever you talk about prayer, I'm very conscious of this as a pastor. You know, you can sit there thinking, oh, prayer, I'm no good at that. And it's like, oh, here comes another wave of condemnation. And when I first got saved, I was like, now you're a Christian, you have to pray. It's like something, a duty you had to do. And almost like if you didn't do it, you weren't acceptable. It was, it was no, no, later I learned grace. Grace means I'm acceptable anyway. It's the most, when I got saw grace, it was like I got born again again. I suddenly realized it's finished, it's done, I'm acceptable. I can sleep through my quiet time. I'm still beloved of God. I'm still righteous because it's Jesus' victory. I don't have to impress God Jesus did it for me now that's a huge lesson to learn as a Christian if you don't learn that lesson that's why this grace book is so important if you don't learn that lesson Christianity Christianity can seem hard work you have to do these things and I, I tended to learn it that way when I got saved I learned you have to do these things and I had later ah oh, Jesus has done these things I'm accepted and so I don't pray to impress God you, know, you don't say, Lord, you know, 20 minutes this morning, oh, pretty good marks for that, don't I? No, no, hey, slept through my prayer time this morning. Marks for that, hallelujah. See, Jesus makes me righteous. I don't pray to impress God. I don't pray to make myself look more righteous. I'm accepted in the beloved. See, that's grace. You start there. So why pray? I want to get things to happen. Prayer is, prayer is powerful. Prayer accomplishes things. Prayer makes you win battles. Prayer makes you live lives of joy and fulfillment. And so you pray not to become righteous. You, you pray in order to accomplish things. That's the whole story of the Bible. They prayed for things to happen. Jesus asked that you might receive. It's, it works. Do it. And so we see that's the word here. Praying not as a duty to perform. Not to somehow impress God. But when we're in Christ, as we heard in the meeting... Hey, we're saints, we're righteous as a gift. 
Because Jesus won it for us as a gift when he paid for all our guilt, all our shame. He took away my sin and gave me his righteousness. Thank you, Father. That's the gospel. He gave me his righteousness. So we don't pray to prove anything. We pray to see God answer prayer and do amazing things. So it says in this passage, on all, praying on all occasions with all kinds of prayer. That's an interesting phrase, all kinds. And in the Bible, you'll find there are all kinds of prayer. And we're going to look at some of them. So first of all, Jesus said, when you pray, shut the door and be alone with your Father. Be with your Father. What a privilege. The first reference to prayer in the Bible was in Genesis, where it says, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. See, God reveals who he is. He tells us his name, and you can call on that name. He says, I am the Lord who provides. A man called Hudson Taylor started an amazing mission, in, and he built it on that one verse. God said, I am the Lord who provides. God's told us his name. He said, Lord, that's who you are. I'm calling on you. And you'll find all sorts of names in the Bible, and they come up in stories. And there's another name. There's another name. Wow, God is this, and God is that. So when I pray, I say, Lord, this is who you said you are. It's not when I pray, I've got an idea, God, can I impose it on you? It's like God said it all these things. So it starts with God revealing himself. And then we say, yes, please, Lord. Yes, Lord, you said you'd do that. You said you'd do that. And Jesus said, when you pray, talk to your Father. What a privilege. What a privilege. You can call him Yahweh. You can call him this. You can call that. His Father. Go into the, shut the door, be with your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret. What a privilege we have. So this is the first kind of prayer. Shut the door and be with your father. Now, you need to find a time when that works for you. D.A. Carson, a great writer, theologian, says this, it's not that we don't plan, it's not that we don't desire to pray, it is that we don't plan to pray. And he says, if you're going on vacation this year, you make your plan. You don't say, well, we'll see what happens. He said, if you pray, no, no, plan to pray. So when do you do it? When do you do it? And, and J.O. Fraser, who's a great missionary, his books on prayer I found so helpful and stimulating. And he says, find the best time. So different people have different times. Now for me, I'm, my age now, early is the best time. When I was younger, I came alive in the evening. Now I'm dead in the evening, but... I'm alive in the morning, hallelujah. So that's a good time for me. But find what is your best time. Now, for young mums, that's a dreadful time. Kids wake up, breakfast, school run. It's terrible. So you have to find what, what time works for you. Maybe you find there's a slot there when it all goes quiet. You find your time. Because Fraser says this, I have found, and he saw revival, he saw hundreds come to Christ. He saw a remarkable thing happen. He said this, I've found prayer is my most effective. He said, I'm like a businessman, and this is the most effective sphere of my business, prayer. So he said, I want to give my best energies to it. I wonder if you think of prayer like that. That's, that's where it works, I want to give my best energies. When I feel good, give my best, not when I'm feeling weary, but when I've got some energy. So he said, do it that way. Choose your best moment so that you can give your best energies to it but find your time 
And it's good to kind of say, right, shut the door, be with your father. Now, for me, I can shut the door, but my brain goes through the wall. It's like, oh, you know, oh, yeah, and that, and that. Shutting the door didn't help at all. It may have kept the kids out, but my brain's... So I have a little pad and a pen, and if something comes to mind, I just quickly jot it down. Because otherwise, I'm off, you know, oh, yeah. Pick up the phone. No, no, no. Just jot it down, because I want to be with my father. And so I find that really helpful. It's like shutting the door. It's like, yeah, I'll come back to that later. Because I want to be with my father. So we're shutting the door to be with our father and, and to cultivate fellowship with him in secret. Now, some of us will say, well, I don't do that. I kind of pray all the time. I pray, you know, around, walking around the supermarket. I pray driving the car. I don't have a special time. Well, I would encourage you to see all kinds of prayer, it says in here. All, on all occasions, all kinds of prayer. And this is one of the ways Jesus told us to pray. To be in a kind of engaging with God. You see, if you read again the story of Moses, there came a time that he's up in the mountain meeting with God. They're down in the valley making a golden calf. And say, look, worship, this, this is the what delivered you. And God, speaking to Moses, says, they have turned away. These people, God says to Moses, these people whom you brought out of Egypt, your people, he calls them, and Moses is talking to God, and Moses says, your people whom you brought out. And he's, got, he's, he's engaging with God, he's arguing with God. God says, I'm going to judge them. Actually, God makes him an offer. He says, I'm going to start a game with you. You can be the new Abraham. What an offer. You can be the new Abraham. I'll start a new nation from you. And Moses says, no. And Moses says, what about your great name? What will the heathens say that you were not able? I mean, he's incredible. And at one point, he says this. God says to him, leave me alone so that I can deal with them. And Moses says, no. He's like, man alive, are you allowed to do that? I mean, what a privilege this is of prayer. Leave me alone. The almighty God, leave me alone. He says, no. And wins. He wins. He has power with prayer. The Bible's teaching us these things. We, get our, we don't think sentimentally, beloved. We think, what does the Bible say? That's how you live the Christian life. What does the Bible say? And the Bible's telling me this guy can pray hold of God. And, and this is the wonder of prayer, that God is inviting us to come to him. So sometimes you need to be, you know, Shut the door, get alone. Some of us, you know, you may commute to town. I used to commute to town sometimes. Sometimes I used to find an empty church building. It was quite useful at lunchtime. I used to work in London. You know, find somewhere, be alone. That's one of the things we see. P.T. Forsyth, who was um, a theologian of a previous generation, but he said this, lose the importunity of prayer. Lose the real conflict of will and will. Lose the habit of wrestling and hoping to prevail with God. Make it mere walking with God in friendly talk. And precious as that is, yet you tend to lose the reality of prayer at last. Now, he doesn't mock, I talk to God. He doesn't say, that's precious, that's precious. You know, he says, that's wonderful. But if you don't know that kind of battling that kind of Lord I'm asking for this Jesus gave so many twitchings you know, knocked the door several times and so on you know no, no, that's part of prayer 
And so we see it here. Michael Eaton warns against an attitude of prayer. He says it can just drift into nothingness almost. Now praying, praying. Okay, so that's the first. He says here, praying in all kinds of prayer. So the first time of prayer is that kind of like, let's withdraw and be with your father. So do you know when that is for you? When do you plan to do that? So my kids knew when it was my time. Wendy would say, leave him alone. Don't knock on that door. Dad's praying. That's his, you know, I'm not available. I'm not available. Now we've got umpteen grandkids. He's not available at the moment. You have to learn it. It matters so much. It matters so much. Doesn't matter to make me look good for God. I'm already in Jesus. I can't look better than that. You've got to get that in your heart. I can't look better. I'm in Christ. I can't look better. It's great, hey? But I want to get things happening. So I give my time to it, okay? So the second thing I want to talk about is Nehemiah prayers. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, in the story of Nehemiah, you get, he hears that Jerusalem's in a shambles and he's highly motivated to go and restore Jerusalem. And he's far away in Babylon and he's serving the king. And he is the guy who serves the king with food. And so if he looks dodgy, hey, he's the food taster. This is, and so he's a bit scared when he says, hey, what's up with you? And, and it says, Nehemiah, I prayed to God and I said to the king. It's like prayer in the crisis. You know, you're up before their master or you're in your office. I've got an interview. Uh, well, I prayed to the Lord and I said. That's a different kind of prayer. That's something we need to also cultivate. You're in a situation, Lord, help. I need you now. That's, that's biblical prayer. And so I speak to the Lord and I speak to you. Or even, you know, when your, your teenage kid's in a crisis and comes to you and says, Dad, you think, I pray to the Lord. And I said, the Lord is call upon, you can call upon him. And I said to the Lord and I said. So praying is, yeah, it's great if it's kind of rooted in something that we've talked about already. But then... At any given moment, you might well say, Lord, help, help. And we can do that. And, and God answered his prayer. That's the second one. Third one, we'll call it specific times. Specific times. So it says at one point, Jesus prayed all night. It was the night before he chose who were going to be out of his probably hundred or more disciples, who were going to be the twelve. And he prayed through the night. An extended time, a focused time. We read about Daniel. He prayed and fasted for 21 days. These specific moments, times where you, you say, I'm going to go after this. I'm, I'm really, I'm not, this is going to be my main preoccupation. That's not every day, that's not every week, but those special times. I know for me, it's a bit of a joke really, but it wasn't at the time. When I was at Bible college, I, I kind of fell for a girl called Wendy Morgan. And uh, I, I approached her and she gave me the elbow. And, and she said this to me. She said, I don't want to get confused. I want the will of God for my life. And if I was mildly interested before, I'm now hooked. Because I think, I want a girl like that who just wants the will of God for her life. So I, I, I find it very difficult to walk away. And so and, and later, I don't know, a few weeks, months later, I have another, and I get the other elbow. It's like, oh, well. And so a bit later still, I, I thought, 
I took, I took three days of prayer and fasting. I said, Lord, either give this girl to me or get her out of my hair. Because we're at Bible college together, so we keep bumping into one another all the time. And I said, Lord, do something. And, and on the third day, it was after morning chapel, she's walking towards me, and I think, oh, here comes the final elbow. And I, so she said, can I speak to you? I thought, oh, boy. So sure, sure. And then she says to me, this is very embarrassing. I said, is it? She said, yeah, um, I've fallen in love with you. Ah, yes, whoa. <laughs> that, I mean, I sat down, like, whoa, this is great. I, can I recommend that, guys? Uh, three days prayer and fasting. And uh, we, we've been married 53 years now, so it works, eh? So, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, wanted, I wanted her, especially when she said, no, no, no. I want the will of God. I thought, oh, that's what I want. Girl that's focused on Jesus. Yeah. And my, my, you know, we, we've had five kids, and one of them, we went and lived in America for a couple of years back in the 90s. And my, one of my sons was about 14. He was so radiant for Jesus. I didn't worry too much about him. And he got in with the wrong crowd and really lost his way. Badly. Very badly. And... Uh, even when we came back to England, there's all the guys from the youth group with balloons and welcome back. You know, he walked straight past them and it's like, oh, it's so painful. It's a painful time. My teenage son. And uh, one time I was going off to the States, it was a ministry time. Wendy was supposed to be coming with me and she said, I think I should stay behind and fight for Simon. And uh, okay, so I went on my own and phoning her and, and she fasted through the week and prayed. And she, she, I mean, this fighting, this is battle territory. Praying is not just holy stuff, it's fighting. Ephesians 6 stuff. Fighting. So she said, I used to go into his room when he was off, wherever he was at work. And she said, I, I, I anointed the door frame. She said, I anointed his pillow. He had these horrible pictures of rock and roll guys. They'd all committed suicide. I mean, really weird guys. Not just the Beatles or something, but the horrible ones. He was into grunge. And she said, I took like a bow and arrow. I wouldn't come against anything. I mean, she's crazy, eh? She, she, she fought. She's fasting and praying. And, and then during the week, she said to me, I phoned her. She said, I spoke to Simon. He said, why haven't you gone with Dad? And she said, I'm fighting for you. And she said, he said to me, I think you might be winning. What does that mean? What does that mean? So, so she, you know, she's getting on with it. And the end of the week, um, on a Friday night meeting, they had a Friday night meeting, and just before I went into it, she had a phone call, and she said, someone wants to speak to you. Sorry, it still gets to me. <laughs> someone wants to speak to you. And there's my son. And he's come back to God. He's just come totally, totally back to God. And, I mean, I was overwhelmed. That he, he had this wonderful, he's even at work, uh, and he's at his desk and he said that old Graham Kendrick song came back to him. The, the, the last line of it is, the greatest thing, O Lord, I see, you delight in me. And he's sitting at his desk and he heard God say, I delight in you, broke his heart. He's had to run to the gents and cry my way back to God. I mean, it's wonderful, isn't it? Why do we pray? Well, you pray to get results. You can't get more holy, you can't get more righteous, can't be more acceptable. Jesus, you can't improve on Jesus. I'm not praying to impress God. But I want to see things happen. So sometimes it's, yeah, we, get, we make some good decisions. 
you know, if this movie's going to finish late, I'm not going to watch it because I'll, I'll be tired in the morning. If I watch this late, I make decisions. It says discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. I'm not going to get late. I'll be tired in the morning. I'll make choices. So there's this time you shut the door and get it went. Then there's this, Nehemiah, help, prayers, parking place, please, Lord. <laughs> you, know, it's, you pray, you talk to Jesus, of course. But then there's special seasons of prayer where you give yourself really to pray. Then another one, praying. It says, if two or three gather, I'm there. Now, actually, the time you usually hear that quoted is when there's a church prayer meeting. You know, come to the prayer meeting, and then the pastor, you get there, it does say when there's two or three uh, gather. You know, think, oh, there's only two or three here. But actually, I love it. I think praying in twos and threes is one of the best ways to pray. When I got saved, my parents were not Christian. I had no godly backgrounds, no Bible in my home. My parents said, what's going on? You get religious. I'm no encouragement at home. As a young guy, he was about seven years older than I, come round any time, he said. It was saving for me. I didn't know how to live as a Christian. I was living as a pagan. I know I've been born again, but how do you live this? Come any time. And I went into his home, and, I, and we used to, we like to pray. We prayed to, he taught me to pray. And I, I used to go, we used to pray together often, just two or three of us. And that was life-changing for me. I learned to pray in that two or three. You see, you don't have to make up religious language. It's just your pals. You don't have to be special. Don't put on a performance. Just pray together. And some of you would really love that, wouldn't you? If uh, Some of you would think, wow, that older lady, I know she's a praying lady. Maybe, you know, you've got the kids and all the rest of it. You think, if only I could, I wonder if she'd pray with me. You don't even want to initiate something. Can I pop round on Wednesday afternoon? Could we pray together? Yeah, come on in. Wow, that could be life-changing for you. Or maybe you are one of those godly older ladies. You say, hey, would you like to pray? Wouldn't it be wonderful if this church had little pockets of two or threes all around this neighborhood praying? You know, we just, let's take half an hour, let's take an hour, whatever time you've got. Well, I've got, I've got kind of, you know, till the kids come out. I could, yeah, we could, we pray together. I grew in prayer so much, just being with this brother and praying with him. It helped me enormously. So I want to encourage that, twos and threes. When, when Moses' hands grew weary, a couple of guys helped him hold up his arms. We're in it together. It's wonderful. So I want to commend that to you, praying in twos and threes. It would be one of my favorite times, praying in twos and threes. I've been praying every Wednesday morning with a brother. Actually, it started growing now. It's more like a dozen who gather, but it was just the two of us for a while. I retired, he retired. We moved quite close to one another. So we pray every Wednesday morning. It's a riot. We love it. We have a wonderful time. And now that's beginning to grow, but it's still wonderful, okay? That moves on to the next one, praying as a church. Right? Praying all of us. Again, it's a book, a book of Acts. In Acts chapter 4, it says that they began to preach. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. In other words, I'm running everything. All authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Now go and make disciples of all the nations. So they go. They start. They get 3,000 saved on the day of Pentecost. 5,000. Man alive. This is great. And then 
the Sanhedrin, the leading Pharisees, scribes, priests, they say, stop now. And you remember the, the, these disciples that are from Galilee, they're not from the big city. They're from up in the north. They're out of their depth. This is, this is the big city. These are big guys. What do we do? Well, stop. No, no, it says in Acts 4, they were told, stop now. And you get that wonderful prayer in Acts 4. They came up and they got together. They said, oh, sovereign Lord. That's how it's translated in most of our Bibles. Oh, sovereign Lord. The Greek word is despotis, which means, it's like we say despot. He's a despot. It's got absolute power. Like Putin is a despot. But we think it's an ugly word, but it just means he's got absolute power. That's what it actually means. Jesus has all authority. Oh, sovereign Lord. Listen to their threats. Look what's happening. Then they quote some Old Testament promises. Stretch forth your hand. And God comes with power. The building shakes. They get filled with the Spirit. And on they go. You see, beloved, Yonggi Cho in his book, Prayer, the Key to Revival, which is a terrific book on prayer. He says, it's like God's on his throne. And he says words like this. He has another, a power base in the world. He's on the throne. He's got a power base. And the way the world understands he's in control, he's got all authority, is what this power base does. What the church does in prayer demonstrates that he's the... On, that's what happened in Acts 2, Acts 4. They said, stop. They said, no. They cry out to the one with all authority and power comes and they go forward. The gospel goes forward. The churches get multiplied. Because he is the one with authority. But beloved, if we never tick into that, if we start, we're well, having a prayer meeting occasionally. Huh? No, prayer is the key. Prayer is what it's all about. That's where the power kicks in. And, and when they prayed, bam, they, on we, we go, onward we go. And in England, and now the church is becoming marginalized. The church had weird people who don't believe in this, they don't believe that. When I was a kid, we just knew, I knew I wasn't a Christian, but Christians are good people. Churchgoers are good people. Now it's moved so much. Now Christians are the bad people. They're against this, they're against that. Man, alive. This is serious. This is serious. We need God. Our kids go to school and you find someone says, No, actually, I want to be a boy. I'm a boy now. I've had two school teachers come to me recently and say, This girl says, I'm a boy now. And I'm a, my headmaster has to say, I said, I have to say boy to her. And you think, What's going on? And our kids are being raised, and they say, we go along with it. What confusion is there out there now? We need power. We need God. Otherwise, Christianity will be regarded as quaint, old-fashioned, out of touch, instead of being the truth of God and the light of the world. And our praying, beloved, is where, is where the power is given to us. So when Paul is saying this armor for the battle, and the battle's going to get stronger, it's going to get stronger. It's going to get tougher. What do, we say? what do school teachers say? You know, our kids are being raised with this. We've got to fight. And prayer is where we fight. We wrestle and fight and pray. It says when Peter was put in prison, you know, Peter, the leading apostle, James they kill. They put Peter in prison. They say, you're going to die tomorrow. And it says the church gathered and prayed earnestly. That was a knee-jerk reaction. It doesn't say somebody organized it, it happened. 
They didn't walk up and down with placards, get Peter out of prison, get Peter out of prison. Why is he in prison? No, no, they prayed. And the prison door opened. And out he walked. Wow. They prayed. That was the key to this early church's growth. They prayed. And we need to really rediscover that. I know for ourselves, we needed a meeting place in Brighton. We started with 35 people. And we were meeting in a schoolroom, running out of space and problems. And I knew a mission in town. Empty mission. It had one hall that could take four or 500 people. Lots of other subsidiary halls. And I'm praying with my two friends, two other leaders one day. And we're praying, give us that building. And we knew, I wish this happened more often. In all honesty, it doesn't happen all the time by any means. We knew we'd got it. We're praying. I remember sitting back on my heels and saying, hey, we've got it. And the three of us all witnessed, no, we've got it. We've asked, we've received. That faith was bubbling up. We just knew we've got it. I'd never met the pastor. He came to see me. Well, he phoned me. Can I meet you? Yes, came to my home. We had a meal. I thought, how do I get to him to talk about his house, his building? And he said, I've heard about your growing congregation. I wondered if you'd like our building for nothing. Yes, please. Anyway, so we went into it. When we got in there, it's all beaten up. Dry rot everywhere. The phone had been taken out because they didn't pay their bill or something. It's chaos. And so we've got to do some work here. So we said, we need to, well, we'll do that room first. And uh, what's it going to cost us? So we reckon, let's raise 20000 Well, that seemed a huge sum of money for us. I mean, if there was a rich guy in the church, I never met him. And, and we prayed, we prayed, give us 20000 And we had a prophecy in one of the early prayer meetings. I will hammer out your faith on this battle. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We prayed for the 20000 Had the offering the next day, 20000 We did that three times a year. 20000 20000 20, And we did up that building, made it absolutely functional. Then we needed another building. We outgrew that. We needed to move into Brighton, right into the heart of town. And we saw a warehouse, and we were told informally, yeah, you can bid for that. So we took a big offering, a huge offering, as it happens. And we said, right, now we're putting our bid. And they said, uh, nah, you can't have that. I said, an industrial building, your church, come off it. They mocked us and said, no. 100% the council refused. And we said, can we appeal? And they said, 100% refusal. No, you can't. Well, you can, but it's a waste of time. And we put on our appeal, and boy, did we pray. We prayed for a Mr. Mumford, whom we never met, but we understood it was on his desk. He got very prayed for. <laughs> and turned the whole thing around. And we were able to go in, and it's ours. We've been meeting it for years. And we invited the council to our opening, which they didn't come to. <laughs> but we, we turned it. We turned it around through believing prayer. So the power of believing prayer is enormous. Corporate prayer. We pray together. Then the last thing, I must quickly rush to an end. It says praying in the Spirit at all times. Praying in the Spirit. What's that, man? It says in Romans 8, we don't know how to pray as we ought. Now it says that in the Bible. All right, so it's not just you. We sometimes think, I don't know how to pray. No, we, we it's all of us. We don't know how to pray. Oh, that's reward. That's, that's encouraging, isn't it? We don't know how to pray. It says so in Romans 8. Why? Well, it's difficult. 
The, the Bible says, and Romans 8 explains the whole thing, the Old Testament promises a kingdom will come. And Jesus, the king, comes and says, the kingdom is amongst you. But he gets slaughtered. And he goes into heaven and reigns from heaven. And we're waiting for him to come again and establish the kingdom. Meanwhile, the kingdom has come, but not fully come. When Jesus returns, wow, the whole thing comes. That is promised in the Old Testament. Meanwhile, we are advancing the kingdom in this overlap of the ages. That's what the Bible teaches. It's like an overlap. Jesus came with the kingdom, and we live... And the Bible says in Romans 8, the whole world is groaning. It's, we're waiting for the full revelation. We're groaning. We're within limitation. And that's what it says in Romans 8. The whole world is groaning. Then it says, and you are groaning. Ah, because well, it's not, we're not right through yet. We're living in this limited body. We haven't got our new bodies yet. And so we find limitation. We find we're not all that we would love to be. And so prayer is in that context that Paul says, we don't know how to. We're limited. And so in Romans 8, it says the Spirit comes to help us in prayer. Hallelujah. The Spirit, in that context, the Holy Spirit comes to help us to pray. It says in Romans 8. And so we pray in the Spirit. We find in our limitations, the Spirit comes to help us. And the, and the Puritans used to say, don't give up praying, pray yourself into prayer. Because sometimes, oh, I can't pray. No, pray yourself in. And, and when we start, the Holy Spirit begins to help. Sometimes we're a bit like a sail that's just flapping there. And as you carry on, you sometimes begin to feel, hey, my sail is filling. I'm beginning to feel an energy. Paul talks about praying with all the energy that he mightily inspires within him. It's like, I'm not a compassionate person. My wife's very compassionate. I'm not compassionate. But when we're praying, sometimes what the Bible calls the compassion of Christ, you start, you start feeling things you didn't feel much that you had felt. You feel another energy. You feel, I feel stirred. You can find an eloquence you never thought you had. You're praying in the Spirit. There's a kind of urgency that comes upon you. I find that especially in the two or three thing. You're in it together as pals and you go for it. And, and you pray with one another. You don't wait for him to stop praying. When he's praying, I'm praying in him. When she prays, I'm praying there. I pray through the whole hour. I'm praying all the time. If you're one praying, I, yes, amen, amen, I'm in it. We're in it this together. And you feel this thing. You feel it's not just saying your prayers. You're praying in the Spirit. And then also, in 1 Corinthians 14, it says praying with the Spirit. Pray at all times in the Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit helping us. Then in, in 1 Corinthians 14, in particular context, it says praying with the Spirit. In that place, he's contrasting it, if you look at the passage, with praying with the understanding. So he's talking about praying in tongues. Right? When it says praying with the Spirit, you just look at the context, you'll see it there. You're praying in tongues. There are times when you pray in this gift of language, this Holy Spirit gift, you're praying in the language God has given you. Sometimes you can feel something very stirred when you're praying in tongues, praying with the Spirit. So Paul says, I will pray with the Spirit, or I will pray with the understanding. I find I do both. I think when I'm praying with the understanding, I can latch on to Bible verses. Say, Lord, you said, you said. When I'm praying with the Spirit, 
I don't understand. I'm speaking a language I don't understand. So I, I, I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with the understanding. All of it, like a big umbrella over the whole thing, pray in the Spirit. If I'm praying in English, I'm looking for God to give me that stirring, that prompting. So we must finish. <laughs> Our time's gone rapidly. It says, praying on all occasions with all kinds of prayer. It's an adventure. It's a powerhouse. It's the key that we have to advancing the church. Our nation desperately needs a glorious church. The government cannot legislate for righteousness. They've not been authorized. They can't do it. The government, no one, they can't bring in righteousness in our confused generation. Only the church has the answer. Believe it with all my heart. Only the church. Isn't that true? Only the church. is a city set on a hill. But if we forget the power base, we don't take advantage of the power base. We muddle along. We're missing this incredible provision, which you've been looking at in the Word, and we just underline that today. All this armour that we've been looking at for weeks, now and over it all, praying, praying in the Holy Spirit, in all kinds of ways, with the help the Spirit gives us. Father, thank you so much. I thank you for the super church, Lord. I thank you for its vitality. I thank you for its worship. I thank you for all that they do together. Lord, I pray that this word we've shared together today might bear some fruit in our lives, that we might be affected by your living word, by the Holy Spirit. We might, Lord, know the impact of your wonderful truth in our hearts. Bless us, Lord. Bless us as we press forward. Have mercy on this neighborhood. Own the Easter event next Sunday. May many people find Christ. May that upcoming baptism, Lord, have new people who've found Jesus and want to plunge themselves into death and come raised up to newness of life. So bless your word to us, we pray, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's mention those books are there as you go. Wow.